Good morning, IBC family. So today is the end of the summer of Psalms. Today we wrap it up. And I can't think of a better psalm than the most beloved, well-known psalm in the book of Psalms, and that, of course, is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is our shepherd. This poem is, uh, this psalm is a poem. It is poetic. It is beautiful. It flows nicely. It's visual. We can see the shepherd out there in the green pastures, wonderful grass, and the sheep. They're just frolicking, and then they're lying down. It's just peaceful. They go to waters where they are still and calm, not rushing waters, still and calm. That is the visual of this psalm. Even it wraps up with, I'm in the presence of the Lord. It's a beautiful picture all the way through. But the psalm is a metaphor. Okay, David, as we know, King David was a shepherd. And God gifted him in literature and in writing, and he wrote this poem that is a metaphor. It is something that describes his relationship with God. That's what that is. And so as we look at this psalm this morning, we want to look into it and go, how does it apply to me? So my question to each of us is, is the Lord your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? And the way you can test that is I will ask you this question. Yesterday was Saturday, and you lived your life throughout Saturday yesterday. Was the Lord shepherding you yesterday? Was he your shepherd yesterday? If you think about the end of the day yesterday, last night, when you went to bed If you were to reflect back on the day, you could ask yourself, Lord, did I yield to your shepherding today? This is where we're going to go in this psalm. We're really going to camp on the first statement, the Lord is my shepherd. That's really where we're going to camp. This psalm is so rich. It's so rich with meaning and application. We don't have time to do it all, so we're just going to do some of it. The, the psalmist begins with a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I started having fun with that going, I want to I put the emphasis on different words. The Lord is my shepherd. 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 That statement right there grabs me. 
We'll talk about it in my third point. The Lord is my shepherd, a statement of fact. The Lord is my shepherd, personal. The Lord is my shepherd. He might be yours, but I know he's mine, personal. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, a descriptive word for how God leads me. The original language, Hebrew, has it in such a way that it was really hard for uh, the interpreter, the translators, to put it into an English way, but it would be the closest rendering would be the Lord shepherds me. The Lord shepherds me. Still is a declaration. So, point number one is this God as shepherd. What does it look like that God is your shepherd? So, as a real shepherd in real life, uh, we take the metaphor part, but we talk about shepherding sheep. Sheep depend completely on the shepherd. Completely. The life of the sheep is in the shepherd's hand. For food, for shelter, for movement, they go from one place to another, for time of rest, for water, good water, for protection from predators, from bad or dangerous weeds. The shepherd acts like a doctor when the lambs, when the sheep are sick, maybe they broke a limb, serves as a doctor. The shepherd serves as a rescuer when in danger. When they fall, when they are lost, he rescues them. The the shepherd provides everything in order that the sheep will survive, thrive, and flourish for everything. Jesus himself used the metaphor for himself as a shepherd. In John 10, three times, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, he says again, I know my own and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. Describing this relationship between the shepherd and followers. Jesus, the Lord, and us, his followers. He's describing that. He lays his down, he laid his life down for you and for me. We hear his voice. He knows us. We follow him. In Hebrews 13, the great shepherd of the sheep, he is called. In 1 Peter, he is called the chief shepherd. So this metaphor Uh, this analogy is carried on. It means a spiritual leader. Psalm 95 tells us, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Psalm 14 says, for this God is our God. He will be our guide even unto death. He leads us. He is our spiritual feeder. It talks in the psalm of, okay, so the first declaration, the Lord is my shepherd, everything else is a result of that. We are sped, sped, 
We are fed spiritually. <laughs> we are sped spiritually. All right. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> Thanks, Roland. I appreciate that you're sped. All right. <laughs> we are fed spiritually. When we talk about green pastures and still waters, he restores my soul and paths of righteousness. It is rife with the way he leads us in our life, physically as well as spiritually. So I want to break this down, though. In real life, in real terms, what does this mean? What does it look like for God to be our shepherd, to lead us spiritually, to lead us in our lives, for us to depend on him for everything What does this look like? Even as we talk about or think about yesterday, because I want us to be thinking in practical terms. Is the Lord really my shepherd? Second Peter tells us this in the first chapter. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. There is a war, as we know, going on in our flesh, the world, all these things that war against us, but God has given us everything we need for life and godliness in order to pursue him 100% in our lives, to thrive, to flourish, not only to survive, but to do well, to love life, the abundant life that Jesus talked about. He has given us everything for that. Well, where do we find it? Do I just go through my life and go, Lord, thank you for giving it all to me. I'm not sure what it is, but, but thanks. Thanks. Let's take a look. How does he shepherd you and me? I got four things that are more than that, but four main ways that God shepherds you. Number one is his word. His word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. His word. There are many scriptures that speak to this. I want to just quote you a few. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. This is how how he shepherds us, through his word, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And when I read the word, how I ought to behave, how I ought to treat other people, I go, man, I didn't treat that person this way at all. I've just been reproved. That's the reproof. Going, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about my attitude that I've been having. We're brought up short by the word of God. In those moments, I'm being shepherded by the word of God. Psalm 119, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When I store his word, when I learn his word, when I soak up his word, it begins to saturate who we are. 
the principles of God's word then, as they saturate who we are, they inform our actions, our attitudes, our thoughts, our words, everything. That is being shepherded. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Right here, the word of God. And what that passage is saying, whether you believe in God or not, if you're an atheist and you say there is no God, well, here's the deal. If you follow the principles that are in this word, in this Bible, in this book, your life will go well because godly principles apply to everybody. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths that are in here. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Remember it said in there, he restores my soul. There's peace when we follow the principles that are in this book. Deuteronomy 6, And these words that I command you today shall, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Tess Bodette made posters for today. They're hanging on trees around here. Over there, I see over there. Summer of Psalms, and she's taking different Psalms and put them on there. This is what this is saying. Put them up so you never forget. You're reminded all the time of what Scripture is. And parents, this speaks very strongly for your to your responsibility of instilling as part of shepherding. I didn't put this on my little list of parents as shepherds, but clearly that is the case that you've been called to be God's shepherds to your children, teaching them the word of God. So number one, his word. Number two is the Holy Spirit. God shepherds us by his Holy Spirit through his Holy Spirit in us. John 14, and I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then he goes on in the same chapter, John 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance of all that I have said to you. He will teach you all things. As we read the word of God is the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to understand what this is. And as you know, when you come across a passage that you have read before, and all of a sudden something happens, you go, whoa, I never saw that before. It's the Holy Spirit acting. It's the Holy Spirit giving you that understanding. And so he is in us. He is guiding us. Other places, Jesus says, I will give the Holy Spirit, and he will, don't worry about what you're going to say in front of when you're called to speak. He will give you the words. The Holy Spirit nudges us, gives us impressions. 
about actions. When you're walking down the street and you see somebody and you feel a prompting, go say hi to that person. The Holy Spirit is doing that. This is the shepherding that God does in our lives. Holy Spirit. Number three, under shepherds, pastors and elders. Jesus said to Peter, if you'll recall, after he was resurrected, told Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Teach the word of God to my people. 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. April 24th is when uh, George Wood preached on that passage. And he delved in to Psalm 23 because they go hand in hand together. You are here. Every Sunday we gather to hear the teaching of God's word. Keep it up. Hebrews tells us to not forsake this, to keep gathering together. And as leaders at IBC, we are called to teach the word so that the people are feeding, so you are feeding. Pray for those who would be standing in this pulpit is one of those fearful things to be doing. Now just from this perspective for a sec, when you're preparing to come stand in front of all of you, the weight that you feel is, There are several hundred people coming to hear from God, to be fed, to be shepherded by the Father. And the wild thing is that God says, I'm going to use my choice servant, Aaron Bacon, or whoever it may be that Aaron puts in this pulpit, or the elders put in the pulpit. Pray for your elders. They take that so seriously. But it's not about them that we're talking, it's about you. When we come together, we are looking to be fed. This is how the Lord shepherds us. And fourthly, other sheep. Other sheep. He uses other sheep to shepherd one another. Isn't that great? He uses you to feed one another. All through scripture, we read about one anothering. Back in 2018, we talked about this, and and I had a handout, two sides of one another statements. Oh, man, there's so many of them. Uh, Wash one another's feet, love one another a bunch of times. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves, and so on. Bear each other's burdens. And so this is how God shepherds his people. You get to play a part in shepherding one another. And we see it happening all the time. It's a beautiful thing. We have a new lady that's come to our church. I met with her, and I asked a couple other ladies to meet with her after the service last week, and I watched them praying together. I watched them hanging out afterwards. I'm going, Lord, you are so good. There was shepherding that was happening. Being an encouragement to somebody is shepherding. If you think shepherding means everything, it does not. Shepherding simply means encouraging, keeping us all on the right path. When we come together like this and we fellowship together, especially on a picnic day that we're going to have, we hang out, we are shepherding. We are encouraging one another. The fellowship that we have in the Spirit is as rich as it gets. And that is shepherding. Point number two, we need a shepherd. (laughs) We need a shepherd. 
Why? Why do I need a shepherd? I got this. Why do you need a leader who will lead you in paths of righteousness? There are so many scriptures. Let me just, let me just give you a few. Why you need. Just to remind you. I think you already know, but just to remind us. Romans 3 tells us, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And that passage just keeps going. And it's nasty because our flesh is nasty. And we pursue God in the spirit. Our flesh will not pursue God. That's why I need a shepherd who can guide me, who can draw me, and sometimes who can hammer me. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. When I hear that statement in my heart of hearts, I just know that is the biggest red flag you could ever hear. I'm sorry. And if you said that statement, it's okay. Forgive you. It's a scary statement, you all. In my heart of hearts, because I know it's true. You cannot trust your heart. I cannot trust my heart. Just follow your heart. There's a whole sermon there. We need a heart that is regenerated, that is renewed, that is washed by the blood of the Lamb, baby. And he is the one then who will guide us. It is his heart that we follow. But as we align with him and our hearts begin to align with him, then wonderful things begin to happen. We actually can begin to trust the heart. Proverbs 14, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. The world today tells us, do your own thing. Oh man, it's getting more and more this way, isn't it? Do your own thing. My right to do whatever I want to do. Don't tell me what to do. Well, what a mess that we are in because of that. We see it all around us. And we see it in our own lives. I tell you what, even for me, when I, the smallest thing, when I begin to feel kind of good about how I'm doing, and it's subconscious, things are going well, I begin to be less reliant on the Lord and I just begin to drift without knowing it. And pretty soon, Sue will go, are you all right? How you doing? Which is code for, you're stinking it up right now. (laughs) Isn't that right? It is subtle. It is insidious. It's not a new concept. We see in the Old Testament with Israelites, when things were going well, they began to be self-reliant. They turned away from God. God said, okay then. They came into judgment by neighboring nations. They went into slavery they cried out to God, he rescued them, and the cycle. And then they came back into uh, prosperous times, and the cycle continued. It was, it's all through history. We do not do well with prosperity. That's what's going on in our own country. We're a prosperous country, and we are then at risk. We are then at risk. One thing I love, and when I see people who are wealthy, 
and they're following Jesus. I love that. They're wealthy, yet they follow Jesus with integrity, and they use their wealth for God's glory. There's nothing better. Love it. But not many of us have that gift. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's why we need the rod and staff. The rod and staff are the guidelines. We need the rules because they keep us secure. I know where I'm at. We need the rod and staff. Sometimes we need the hammer. When I was uh, the summer between my second grade and third grade year, I was born and raised in Brazil on the Amazon River, no cars. There were cars in the city, and I loved all of that, but we didn't go to the city but once a, once a year. So when we came to the States for a year, we, we uh, flew to Miami, Florida, and then we drove this car up to Spokane, where my, my parents are from, that area. Now we're in a car. There are seven of us, five kids, two parents. I'm number four in the group. And I'm pretty much the most active in the group. And that's a really good thing. But this car, this old country squire Ford station wagon, had a blown head gasket and we didn't know it. And so it was leaking oil like crazy, as well as water or coolant. And so every so often we have to stop at oil and water. And I loved it because that means I got to get out, I could be active, and I wanted to help. Because I knew my dad must have needed my help. I don't know. I just wanted to help. And then we got to the Rocky Mountains. And when you get to the Rocky Mountains, you begin to climb, as we know about mountains. And so we're using more oil and gas. I mean, yeah, gas, sure, but water. Every 10 minutes, literally, we had to stop and put more oil in and more coolant in every 10 minutes. And so if you can imagine, we're cruising along, we pull over, can hear the engine humming with heat, and I couldn't wait to get out just to whatever. But I didn't know how it works here in the U.S. I would get out on the roadside all the time. And my dad said, Tom, he actually called me Tommy then, you cannot get out on the roadside. Because traffic is coming, you must get out on the shoulder side. Thick-headed as I was, I'm glad that put that behind me. <laughs> no, I don't appreciate that, Roland. I do not appreciate that. Most of the time I like your voice right now, I finally get offensive. <laughs> I, would just, I just would not be thinking I wanted to get out so bad, I'd get out on the roadside. My son... You cannot get out on the roadside. It's dangerous. Cars are flying by. Okay, Dad, yeah. Ten minutes later, out on the roadside. When he got back in the car, I'm in the back seat. My dad was in the driver's seat. He turned around and he hauled me up over the seat with my rear end right there and he blistered it. (laughs) Son, to help you remember, I have never forgotten it. (laughs) here's why it was because it was the rod of correction or a rod of reminder I wasn't angry with my dad for doing that 
because I recognized exactly why he was doing it. And finally, the light went on. (laughs) This is, and I'm glad he did that because it could have been hammered by a car. And I never did it, as far as I remember. I never did it again. This is what God does. Our Heavenly Father who loves us, he does these things through different methods and different ways. He will remind us of the right way. He'll nudge us. He may make things not, he'll allow things to happen that go, we go, oh man, this is not good. Whatever it is. I'm not going to dig into how he does that. But that is his rod and his staff. They comfort me because I know he is getting me to go on the right path in paths of righteousness. I will say in some ways we are worse than sheep. Sheep are ignorant. They just don't know better. But we do. Most of the time, we know better. Now, he teaches us the right way. Well, Lord, yes, I'm learning from you. I want to go in the right way. Help me to do that, and he does. But so many times, don't we flirt with disaster? We know we shouldn't be going there, but we do anyway. That's worse than a sheep. We need his rod and his staff. We need his shepherding in our lives. But there's hope, you all. There is hope. 1 Peter 2.25 says, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Every day, every minute, we have that opportunity to return to the good shepherd, to follow his ways, to be in a right relationship, to be back in fellowship. It's an understanding that we have of how much we need our shepherd. Spurgeon said this, Spurgeon said, I have heard of a young man who went to college. And when he had been there a year, his father said to him, do you know more than when you went? Oh, yes, said he, I do. Then he went the second year and was asked the same question. Do you know more than when you went? Oh, no, said he, I know a great deal less. Well, said the father, you are getting on. Then he went the third year and was asked, what do you know now? Oh, said he, I don't. I don't think I know anything. That is right, said the father. You have now learnt to profit since you say you know nothing. He who is convinced that he knows nothing as he ought to know gives up steering his ship and lets God put his hand on the rudder. He lays aside his own wisdom and cries, Oh God, my little wisdom is cast at thy feet. To acknowledge our need of a shepherd is the beginning of our salvation. Now we're getting there. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You all, we need our shepherd, don't we? We need him. Point number three, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Perhaps the strongest statement in all of this this psalm. It is a proclamation. It is a declaration. It is a statement of fact. It is a true statement. It is true that the Lord is my shepherd. Again, the Lord shepherds me. I'm making that declaration. The Lord shepherds me. It's ongoing. It's persistent. It is constant. It is, however, a two-sided equation. The Lord shepherd me, and I'm allowing myself to be shepherded. It's a two-sided equation. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed to do so? There's two sides to that. Jesus 
The Lord has said, I will shepherd you. I make myself available to you at all times. I will shepherd you. Our response is say, Lord, shepherd me. I agree. Please shepherd me. It is to abide then in his presence. Jesus said, I am the vine. You're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It is a desperate dependence. As God shepherds you, you are in a place of desperate dependence. I've got nothing. You can't come to him and say, hey, Lord, I got an idea. In the Chosen series, I love when Peter does it. It makes me laugh so hard. Hey, hey master, I, I, I got an idea. Hey, Rabbi, what do you think about? I think we should. It's like, dude, stop. He's your shepherd. The sheep don't tell the shepherd what's up. You yield. What do you have for me to do? I've got nothing. I, this is why we need a shepherd. God, our shepherd, is always available to, to you. At the, in the Great Commission, the very last statement, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with you. That's our shepherd, constant, persistent, and present with you always, your whole life. He's always there. Jeremiah 20, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will never leave you or forsake you, says many times. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. He anoints my head with oil to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. This is our good shepherd. This is how he shepherds us. I will forgive you. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes, but I say every time that you confess, every time I forgive you and I will cleanse you from your unrighteousness. That is shepherding. This is why I need a shepherd. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh my, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to tell you, this does not only mean when we get to heaven. It doesn't only mean that. Back in the day, there was the tabernacle. That was the presence of the Lord. And when the people would gather together, the presence of the Lord was there. That's what David's talking about. And then in the temple. After the temple then, now we have church. Now we have church. And when we come together like this, we come together in the presence of the Lord. And he says, I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. This is only a taste, but it is for real. It is not pretend. When we come together like this, we come to be in the presence of the Lord corporately and we worship together and God is here and he's doing his thing in our presence. Wherever the presence of the Lord is, is. It is in heaven, when we're there, it'll be unbroken fellowship time. Hallelujah. The, the strife will be over, the fight will be over, and we're going to bask forever. No struggle, baby. Just basking in his presence, screaming and yelling and silence, I don't know, but praising him. 
and worshiping him. What a day that will be. Brother Lawrence, practicing the presence of God. He said this, the most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. That is, every moment to take great pleasure that God is with you. Be aware that God is with you and take great pleasure. Lord, you are here with me right now, even in the midst of the hard thing that may be going on. He says, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. Just hanging out with God, meditating on his word, talking to him. I trust that your times in the word In the mornings, as you sit down to be in the Word, maybe nobody's around if you can do that. Moms might be tough. But to be at that time is is a time that is set aside just you and the Lord and His Word. His Holy Spirit teaching His Word is one of the most peaceful things that He offers to us every day. That is dwelling in the presence of the Lord. While it's true that one day we will be in the presence of the Lord in heaven, Jesus showed us when he was on earth how we can live in the presence of God. Prayer. We see Jesus praying a lot. He was communing with the Father. He was seeking God's wills. In other ways, sought God's will. He was obedient. These are ways that we can be in the presence of the Lord by being obedient to him, the things he's called us to do, and being about the Father's business. As we seek him in our lives, he says in Hebrews 11, 6, that he is a rewarder rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe part of that reward is his presence as he shepherds us. Remember that Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He, my brothers and sisters, is with you. So my last question is, is the Lord your shepherd? Can you say like the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd? I pray that is the case for every one of them, uh, of us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for being our good shepherd. You have given us everything, Lord, to thrive in our life in you, in our life on this earth. So, Lord, this morning we yield ourselves to you to say, Lord, lead us. Help us to yield to you, Lord, because our flesh wants to go its own way. And yet, Lord, our spirit wars against the flesh because we want to follow you, our good shepherd. Thank you for making it possible by your spirit and by the blood of Jesus that was shed that our sins would be forgiven. And that, Jesus, you rose again, giving us victory over sin and over death. We give you all praise, even as we lift our voices now in song. In Jesus' name, amen.